Hi, Goatees. Um, we just wanted to do a quick plug at the top of this episode today to talk about how devastated we all feel about the grand jury result of Breonna Taylor's case. Um, we just wanted to be here to plug some resources for everybody who feels as enraged as we do here on Two Horny Goats. Uh, so we're going to be putting up some resources on our blog and also in the show notes below on how we can petition and also help those that are protesting out during this time. Um, Prisca, do you have anything you want to say? Just if you guys are feeling thoughts and feelings like we're we're right there with you. Nothing feels right. Our heart stands with the black community. Um, honestly, I don't yeah. think anybody or any other community has suffered as much yeah. as the blacks have this year. So we just want to know that we stand in solidarity with our black we brothers do. and sisters. Um, we're so heartbroken right there with you as well. We are absolutely gutted it's it's wrong like no one should have to go to bed at night and, and be concerned about whether or not they're, they'll wake up in their own bed we are completely devastated by that. yeah and the fact that the only officer charged was literally for for shooting into property you know so even like the lives of this woman of briona that wasn't valued as much as literally property and um yeah, that's absolutely devastating. Like the rest of 2020, it's really up to us to take action mm -hmm. against the injustices happening as they continue to happen. So make sure to uh, check out our post and um, for links and resources on how to help. And we stand yeah. with you guys. Stay strong. Hi, I'm Roxy. And I'm Prisca. And, and we, we are, are the, the two, two horny, horny We're just two horny goats climbing the mountain of life. Eating Asian-American stereotypes for breakfast. Everybody, welcome to episode six, where we will cover toxic relationships. Oh, bitch. Oh, my God. This I mean... Is yeah, I mean, hello, toxic relationships. How are you? And also, we're not just talking about romantic relationships because no. I feel that every time that people see this phrase toxic relationships, they immediately revert to, oh, a partner. No, 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 no. We're no. also talking about toxic friendships. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're a little harder to spot. A hundred percent. And mm -hmm. also this goes to family. This goes to any kind of relationship that you may have in your life. It's true. I mean, you can tell I'm already fidgeting with my necklace because I have, you know, this is triggering already. Even the word toxic relationships is like, it's heavy. It's a big one. It is. Um, and that's why we're tackling it because we I mean. love hard topics. The harder, the better. <laughs> the am I harder, right? the better. <laughs> What's up with you, Prisca? How's your week going? Any new announcements? What's up? I'm doing good, girl. I'm going to make some Luro fan today. That's that's all I got on the docket. You know, am I going to be on your list of I mean, uh, <laughs> dropouts? I mean, check your AOL account because oh you God, never know. Oh you God, never I know. Wait. I can't wait to get it. I am from you. You. Uh, you know, Gen Z doesn't know what an IM is. They're just yeah. called DMs now. But you oh, know. DM. Oh, yeah. They don't even IM. They DM. It's so mm -hmm. direct. It's, it's not yeah. good enough to be instant. It has to be direct. <laughs> so different. You know. You know, it's so different. All right, everybody. So we just want to gather and tell everybody to please register to vote. November third is coming up. It's coming. It's so soon. And I think the deadline is like mid October. So like that's coming up in like two weeks. So. Can Get we it. just stress the importance of, like, 
just everybody really coming together collectively to like fight this one big fight because I know that there's so much diversity within the Democratic community. Like I feel like Republicans are really able to rally together much better than well, liberals yeah. do. You know what I mean? Because their tactics are are fear. You know. So yeah. and and you know, no matter your political leanings, like please just go out and vote. It's our civic duty. It's it's an important right that we have, and please exercise it. Where Roxy and I stand, we would love to get a certain person out of the White House. So. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think right now we just need to be operating under the assumption that uh, that person's still going to stay in the White House. So yeah. please, um, you know, exercise your privilege, exercise your right. Please go vote however yes. you can. It's never been more important. I feel like this is one of the most important elections in history. And it's trying to it's the current president is trying to undercut our right to vote. Anyway, we know you're going to vote, so we believe in you. We're so excited already. And you, uh, Roxy, you've got some exciting news for us, huh? I am. In three days, I'm going to be leaving L.A. and will be going to Utah to work on a Facebook watch series for two months. So wow. I won't be back until the end of October. So the so, next time we pod, you're going to be in Utah. I know. It's going to be really amazing. I can't wait to show you that I don't know anybody there. So it's <laughs> going to be wonderful. Are you going to miss the food in L.A.? I am. I'm trying to like really gorge myself on everything that I'll be missing out on. I yeah. mean, the producers over there are just like, no, 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 there's like good food here and I'm like I just have a particular standard yes. like when it comes to Asian food so I mean I've you live like, in K-Town I know I'm just like you were talking about K-Barbecue this morning <laughs> I had K-Barbecue last night I'm gonna get K-Barbecue again hey, today that's what you I, gotta do I know I was like fuck intermittent fasting this week I'm like I'm just gonna live my best life yeah. eat all the uni I can yeah. <gasps> bitch you know. I saw you post that I was so angry I was incensed when I, I, I saw like, I was like when Prisca sees this she's gonna like <laughs> like light herself on fire like, I like had to get a new phone because I threw my phone across the room <laughs> like I was like bitch <laughs> it had like what gold flakes on it yes and caviar on it and there was you're also such coral. a bitch <laughs> I am just like unapologetically spending all my money this week because I, I'm just like I need to live my best life in food mecca of right. los angeles i'm here while for i still it. can i'm here for it thank i'm you. so excited i'm thank so you. excited thank for you thank you thank you <laughs> i'm excited but you know honestly i'm just really excited to have a change of scenery yeah. a change of pace i've been in my studio for so long now and yeah. getting to be in a work environment again and like i'm gonna be working with like the crew of midsummer and hereditary like holy shit yeah it's really gonna be great so um that's and, huge like, really amped and uh, so far working on this show everyone's been so wonderful supportive and I really had a, like creative autonomy mm. on this right. so um, so far so good you know that's um, so do you kind of feel like because I always feel that way after I have a sprained ankle and I've been staying off of it for a couple of weeks and the <laughs> first day I have to like go walk and be around in the world I'm like like very ting tong like I'm super nervous about how my ankle's gonna hold up yeah. like you've been wrapped in the comfort of your own studio up Apartment. Like, how do you feel pretty much the first time, like leaving that cocoon that you've created? It hasn't really hit me yet. You okay. know, like, like I'm people have been saying, oh, my God, two months. That's like a very long time. Yeah. And I haven't really thought I think it'll hit me once I'm there for like maybe a week or so mm -hmm. where I'll mm -hmm. be like, oh, my God, I'm actually out of Los Angeles. I won't have my dog with me. This is going to be the <gasps> longest time I'm away from Yaya. No, Yaya. Yeah. I know. So, yeah, it's going to be staying with my friend Leah. And um, I just oh, nice water bottle. <laughs> 
Thanks. This is what being in your 30s is all about, guys. I just Yeah, Priscilla got really excited and texted me like a photo of her new water bottle that came in yesterday through delivery. We were like on a meeting and I was like, I got to go. And she's like, what? I'm like, there's a delivery. <laughs> she's like, what? I'll, I'll send you a photo. <laughs> and then she's drinking it on our Zoom. I'm, like, I'm so is, excited. Yeah, no, it looks really, it, it's like the perfect water bottle. Thank um, you. So I don't think it's, it's hit me yet because I feel like I'm still stuck in this headspace of yeah. like being here so once all the housekeeping has been done once I I don't even think it'll hit me when I'm on my drive you know like once I get there once I'm actually working I think that's when it'll hit me got you got you that makes sense yeah because you're sort of on autopilot right now yeah and you're like not flying there which I feel like is like a totally different energy like when you're in a car like Mm -hmm. you kind of gradually like you literally are gradually completing the trip you know yeah I'm excited I'm like this is like I'm just so excited to get out you know I'm so excited I need a different change of pace and a different perspective yeah I can't wait to talk whilst you're there Thank you, BB. I'll keep you guys on post. Well, so fancy. <laughs> All right, everybody. So we're going to dive right into this topic because there's so much to talk about mm. regarding toxic relationships. So the first thing we're going to broach on topic one is adult friendships. Ooh-wee. I'm going to ask you a question, Prisca. Yep. Have you made a friend in your recent adult years? And I would say after 26 that you would consider is like a lifelong friend that you want to keep. Yeah, I I don't think that I was good at friendships until like at least my mid 20s. Like I don't really I don't have a ton of friends from before that. Um, And we'll get into like kind of why later. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I've definitely I think two friends that I really made like in my I think when I was 26 or 27 um, was my friends Avalon and Nikki. Um, Shout out to Avalon. Shout out to Nikki. They're probably the two sweetest people you or you'll ever meet. And they've been like best friends for a really long time. So I really didn't think like we would become such close friends, you know, because you don't want to rain on other people's parades or like be the third in a couplet, you know? So, I mean, unless that's your kink, which is totally fine. Um, But, you know, these two girls, like me and Nikki, we got laid off on the same day. We were working at a startup called Dog Vacay. Basically, they were downsizing uh, and we both got laid off on the same day. And so we literally like went straight to a hotel bar because, hello, hotel bars are open before five. And we got fucking plaster drunk and she invited her friend Avalon and we just like basically commiserated and cried and held each other and then the next weekend we all went to Palm Springs together and got drunk and wasted and cried and just like realized we all really connected like the three of us and I just value them so much and I feel like they're two of my closest friends and I couldn't have imagined you know forming such deep friendships so like quote unquote late in life you know (laughs) yeah and they're still considered like part of your close circle now yeah totally totally you know what's interesting is that there's this new york post article that um we could put in the show notes below but it's like how one in five millennials are lonely and have no friends like 27 percent have no friends and 22 percent have no buddies at all like no friends at all like they wouldn't consider any of it their friends yeah is this surprising to you rox because like your friends are your family like you you have friends around you at all times like maybe not physically but in in presence you know so does that surprise you friendships are such high state you know they're so important to me Mm -hmm. so i invest a lot in them because without them like i would be really depressed and have no family that i made here i have strong social skills but for those who don't Mm -hmm. Or those who have a hard time opening up, 
and mm. making themselves approachable to people. I think that this presents a real challenge. Yeah. Also with the rise of like the internet age and, um, you know, people finding comfort in what the internet has to offer, the community internet has to offer, for example, like Japanese otakus. Um, what, what are those? So it's um, people who basically have a fascination with internet culture and they just would much rather spend all of their time online mm. rather than socializing in person. Oh, so wow. there's a lot of these, there's this phenomenon happening in Japan where there are like men in their forties and fifties, never leaving the house for a whole year, never stepping foot out. Their houses are just full of takeout containers and um, they have no friends and their parents work to support them. Wow. And uh, it's becoming more and more common, actually, as people become more dissociated with real life. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter. It's just the reality. Like now we are all connecting. You and I are connecting through Zoom because of the pandemic. But also human interaction in the physical sense is becoming more rare. Yeah. Um, Especially now. Especially now. So it takes more effort because we don't live in tribal communities anymore. We don't live in you know, people don't go out and actually work and see each other all the time. Now we're more isolated. It takes effort to invest in a relationship. True. It's like gardening. Like you really have to constantly tend to friendship. But I think also one of the things is we we don't we're not born and then like raise and then grow up and then retire in the same like city limits anymore. Most People are moving to, you know, larger metropolises or either way they're being spread to other places. And I think when you don't have that baseline of your community, um, it can be challenging to forge new friendships. You know, like if someone from the Midwest is moving out to L.A. in their mid 20s, like this is not the easiest city to find friends in, at Mm -hmm. least not instantaneously. Um, It can take a couple of years. You know that, you know. Mm-hmm. But who who are some of the adult friendships that you feel like you've made that has surprised you even? I think there's only one. Mm-hmm. I, and I would say it's Brianna Goldberg. What's up, Brie G? I fucking love you, bitch. <laughs> hey, Brie. I love her. And, um, you know, and I it's like what you were saying about like Nikki. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing with me and Brie, because like I felt like we were working on a couple of shows together. There were certain challenges and like we really bonded over those challenges. We made each yeah. other laugh, made the situation lighter. And you went through stuff together like you and Nikki went through, you know, the collapse yeah. of dog vacay. Like <laughs> you shared a traumatic experience together. Yeah. And that's like what bonded your friendship. That's true. And um, but it, it's not a situation where like I go to a bar and I connect with someone who we have a really great conversation and we're like, Hey, let's hang out. Like that really happened. That rarely yeah. happens. Yeah. No matter how good that right. convo is or how connected you feel. We have all these boundaries now. Yeah. I, I had a friend who kind of, um, he was trying to like make the Tinder for friendship. Uh huh. How did that go? Um, it, it didn't, but you know, it was an interesting concept and I think the need is there. Uh, it, you know, I think there's like meetup and stuff, but there's not like a ton of ways to like actually connect with people. Um, you know, in a friendship capacity. And I know, I know, I think there's like 
Tinder, like some people meet friends. Some people are out there meeting friends, but like that's not the majority use case of the app, you know? No, because the intention is to have like hookups and romantic relationships. But yeah. like Bumble did a thing where it's like Bumble Buddies or something there like that. There you go. Yeah. And and they re- because I think that we really need to value the importance of friendships just right. as much as we do our romantic relationships. And value the challenge that it is to befriend somebody and to get oh, the courage, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wonder why society doesn't talk about like this underlooked but just as powerful relationship. So what are what are some of your like personal experiences with this? What what does friendship look like in your life? Take me back to like the schoolyard. Okay, so um, I moved around as you knew, as a lot of you guys know, I've been telling my life story for the past (laughs) couple episodes now. Uh, So I was always reacclimating like maybe every six or seven years of my life up until I was 14. And I never had a friend for longer than six years. Like I don't have Mm people I spoke that I speak to regularly that were like my kindergartner friends or like friends I knew from grade school. Like my, I, I didn't just move across town. I moved across the country. Yeah. And so I've always felt very envious of my friends who were like, Oh yeah. Like we knew each other since we were toddlers or like we grew up across the street from each other. I'm like, what is that like to like know <laughs> someone for so long to know someone at that time in your life like I never knew what that was like and I'm an only child I don't have siblings so right. that still is a very foreign concept to me like they knew each other like at every stage of their Pokemon evolution yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> but people only know me as I am now yeah. usually you know and um, and I didn't start forming my real friendships until college and it's because like you know my parents left and um, I, I started to realize that the more I gave myself permission to be myself mm-hmm. the more people liked me authentically for who I was wow, interesting geez. like me? genius concept I'm like speak I know like, <laughs> like I just remember Priscilla making eyes at me like, oh <laughs> such strong eyes I was I, friend eye like, fucking like, the shit out of like, you, like, you like, she was like blink always, like, <laughs> like through glasses too <laughs> I know I didn't have braces but let's just pretend I had braces because I felt like I had braces. And Priscilla was always smiling at me, like just like across the table. I was like, what is this? Like anything she said, I'd be like, wow, what a brilliant mind. Blink, blink, blink. Like, you know, it was like, yeah, Mrs. Pac-Man, you know. No, but we fell in love slowly, too. Yeah, we did. I think after working together, I think that's kind of the common theme with you. It's like once you work together and you see kind of what they're made of, like mm-hmm. th- then you really fall in love with people. I you do know? because I'm like, oh, because like filmmaking is such a tenacious, challenging thing thing i'm like what is this person like when when they're brought to the brink of their stress their brink of challenges like how do they handle it and um but then i think so i met my best friend rochelle um who also is is you know really close within our circle and uh we 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 didn't have anything that connected us she wasn't on my dance team she wasn't a filmmaker she wasn't whatever and we met in french class and i remember the first time i met her it was through my friend june and june's like hey roxy i need a place to live and i'm like yeah you could just like crash in my living room she goes okay can i bring this other chick she's also in this class and then, like, <laughs> that's how you guys met that's how we met and then Rochelle's like hello and I was like wow she is like a fairy I'm like you you yeah. are cool you can also live in my living room and like then, if anyone was a manic pixie dream girl or whatever like like Rochelle yeah, she is totally that is. she'd probably hate us saying that but she's like <laughs> like the first time I met her I'm like is this like did Zoe Deschanel's like spirit just walk into the room like it's, it's so intense yeah, yeah she's just so magnetic yeah. and um she she basically like we were so different. We lived completely different lives and we weren't that close. Oh, here's the thing. My closest relationships were not instant sparks. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. Like, like, you know how you were talking about, like, you just know? Yeah. For me, it's the slow burn. You're like campfire building. You're like campfire building until it becomes like a forest fire. But like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Put out your fire, Smokey Bear says. And um, I, even when we lived with each other in Irvine, we weren't that close, but we were always like, we always had fun and we were nice to each other. And then it wasn't until we moved to LA because she, she was the only roommate out of my, rest of my roommates that were willing to take that leap with me. Right, 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 right. And then once that happened, once we moved out to Mentone, hello, Mm -hmm. hello. And then we just, our relationship went from like zero to 500. Like you guys got wifed up. Yeah, we got wifed up. And like what Rochelle taught me was that she taught me to see the good in everyone. Because I felt like I vict- I used to victimize myself a lot. I used to see a lot of red flags in people. And she was always the one challenging. Well, maybe they're just blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they're going through something. You know, oh, that's wonderful. Like, she taught me not to be competitive with other women. Wow. She's like, oh, she's so rad. You know, if the way that I was brought up, my mom was like, oh, you know, she's so much prettier than you. Or like, she's so much more accomplished than you. And then that was my conditioning so I would feel envious of like other girls it's you like know? built in competition even built though you're not trying to compete you're just like in competition you've I been know. entered yeah I know so and then weird. like Rochelle would be like oh yeah no she's so rad she's so cool man she's cool like she should hang out with us like wow. and it, there was never an, an inch of of envy it was she was so confident in herself and that's the point of friendships and that's the point of relationships is how do you grow and learn from each other? Totally, totally. Because she's like the yin to your yang. We're still learning from each other. I'm still learning about you, you know, through this podcast after 12 years of being so close to you. Right, right, right. And seeing you and Rochelle, like the the kind of relationship that you guys have where you balance each other out so fiercely. We're yeah. like, you, like, and the thing is like, she'll never just agree with you to agree with you. Not at, yeah. the, not at this stage of our lives. No, but definitely she, not always does it with so much love you know what yeah. i mean and you guys can really talk through issues talk through misconceptions together and on, on the other side of it it's like filled with compassion and empathy and understanding of one another you know i always saw you as someone who hung out in groups ah like, right in groups like, in groups yeah. like you were always just like the the shining star you know that you were the one that brought people together you were very <laughs> enthusiastic had so much energy and <gasps> you were always hanging out with so many people i remember when we went back in mentone you had a social almost every single night. Did you oh remember? Gosh. I, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> you were busy. Uh, yeah, I was. I think what happened was so growing up, like I, I skipped a grade. I skipped fourth grade, um, not because I was smart, but because they ran out of room in fourth grade. And I was going to like, <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They literally. That is not yeah. true, Priscilla. It is. It you is. skipped a grade because you're a genius. No, obviously. I am not a genius. Clearly not a genius. <laughs> um, they. It was a small private Christian school, San Gabriel Christian school. We got a discount because my dad's a pastor. Woo woo. Um, and so I, like, uh, I, I started this new school and it was kind of a big culture shock for me because I I had gone to, like I talked about previously, um, a mostly African-American and Armenian school, uh, Living Way Christian Academy out in Pasadena. And I think my parents just wanted us to switch to a school that was a little closer to home. And again, a discount because they were a pastor. My mom couldn't put up, couldn't pass up a deal. Uh, and so we switched to the school and it was mostly Asian-American. 
And I don't know if you know about Asian American youths, but they're very, very motivated, um, far and away ahead of where I was academically. So not only was I switching to a school um, that was a lot more academically rigorous, but I Mm. also skipped a grade in that same breath. How can you even take on those layers of challenge? Like that's extremely high obstacles to jump over. So I, I basically went from, you know, I think in third grade, you learn how to write sentences. Uh, like you learn how to thread together sentences. And then in fifth grade, you're writing essays. So I missed like that transitional, like fourth grade period. I don't know anything about California history because that was all fourth grade. Um, I don't know a damn thing like missions. I don't know. Um, that's a thing we do in California, by the way. You learn about missions in California history, mostly in fourth grade. And you go see, on like you're trips. you're just showing that you do know about California I don't history. Know. <laughs> did you see what you just did? You are a genius. Shut up. Okay. I never built like the mission models. You know what I mean? I'm still... I feel like a part of myself will always be unfulfilled until I go and like buy styrofoam and carve out like the walls of a mission. We can still do that, Priscilla. I'm okay. happy to come over and do that with <laughs> you one day just so that you could redeem yourself. Thank you. That, part that feels empty. Let's buy a kit on Amazon. But I think what was difficult then was I was adjusting like academically. Like my mom would, I was in fifth grade and my mom would come into my room at like two in the morning and I'd passed out just trying to keep up. And, and mm-hmm. you shouldn't really be doing that at fifth grade. Like I don't think, but. But I mean, whatever. And so that was really tough. And then in addition to that, um, I knew a girl from Chinese school and I thought, oh, OK, cool. Like we know each other. That'll be great. But I don't think she was happy that I skipped a grade. And she basically for the next four years of my life, like, I don't want to say tormented but something about me bothered her so much I still don't really know what it is I still think about it sometimes um like late at night but something about me bothered her so much that she made it like her life's goal to kind of like blot me out or like erase me um from the school so if I made a friend she would um come in and like basically uh turn them against me and I, I'm really not trying to like exaggerate I've actually forgotten and blocked out a lot of it because it was really really painful um but I loved playing tetherball it was one of my favorite things to do and just on a random basis like if I was in line to play tetherball she would come and be like well you're not a fifth grader so you should get out of the court well it's like she looks at your face and she hates you she just didn't like me yeah I don't know yeah. what it was I don't know what about me really like ball I'm sure I was annoying like I would like to preface this by saying I was in my own world. I was kind no, of a weird don't kid. Say that. You have every right to take up space. Like you're right. I have every right to shit. take up space. Yeah. And so it, it, it just got to a point where um, I spent most of my lunches. Just the librarian became my best friend. It was really sweet. Um, and I just I became really, really, really um, afraid to to join into female friendships. And that really affected me in high school where I think I did have some people trying to be friends with me, but I was so, I had so much anxiety around it. I I felt like they were going to turn on me. I felt like, like shit talking was going to happen. I felt like manipulation was going to happen. Um, all because of like four straight years of just kind of, um, really like being edged out and being like made to disappear kind of. Yeah. So that that was that was for me i think why i had a lot of difficulty forming friendships and i said this i said this in our like an earlier episode but i really mean it like when i met you and when i met like friends like emersell who you know i love um, emersell and then she yeah. just had a baby she just had a baby but when I met you and when I met Emerson, like I've, I view you two very similarly in my mind in terms of like just 
allowing yourself to be you because that's mm-hmm. like what you were saying you were 100% you and I think she's 100% her and realizing and trusting that the people that gravitate towards that are the people that ought to be around you and you don't have to seek approval from like a million people but you if you can have genuine connections with one or two like that's the value to look for and and to increase the authenticity and the truthfulness of those interactions is what's key not in throwing a wide net you know but so once I did learn how to be friends with people in college, then I think that's when I became hyper social because, you know, <laughs> we're perfectionists. <laughs> and so I went from like learning how to be friends with one person to then trying to be friends with every fucking damn person. I clearly didn't learn my lesson from Emerson, but like there wasn't an, a social interaction that I didn't want to be a part of because I had been so cloistered from them for so long. And I think I overdid it. So oh I think that's God. why we were living together. I went through the same thing too. Now really? Yeah, because like, I mean, you called me out on this on a previous episode, but you were like, <laughs> you're friends with everyone. Oh my God, I was. <laughs> you I were, was yeah. Literally the social slut. Like I, I wanted to be accepted everywhere because I never felt that acceptance. When you were you know, young, When I was transitioning. Yeah, it was, it was just, it was so hard to adapt and assimilate that I wanted to prove to myself and the world that right. I could be accepted anywhere. Dude, I just went through, a, this is going to sound creepy, but it was for work I promise I went through all of your Facebook photos and once you hit like college like 2010 era like first like first of all it's photos of you in large groups of people that you never see again like there's no replicate group really it's just different groups of people and I've never seen these people again in my life you know but you're hugging people you're kissing people you're on Vegas trips with people you're uh, at dance shows with people and yeah I mean that's how you lived in college like it was like a beautiful thing (laughs) but it wasn't sustainable into your adult life right or do you feel like it was or not no I think that when I came out of that like hyper group friend like it was almost like a drug yeah and then coming out of it like and moving to Los Angeles, you don't have that anymore. Right. It's not like we could just go to a house party and like, like catch up with like your drinking friends all the time that really had no substance, just party together. Yeah. You know? And then you had to go on that journey of like, okay, what does real friendship mean to me? And what do I look for in friendships? Right. Yeah. And that's what you had to learn. Right. Was like having to grow together. True. And okay, this is like a little bit of an aside, but I think when you meet people in college, what's so great is they're like at their peak idealism and they are full of hopes and dreams. So when you like all of my friends that I met in college, like I have this picture of them, you know, of how they were when we first met, like so full of dreams. So like nothing in their way, like they believed in themselves. They believed in the world. They believed in like, you know, all the things they could accomplish. And it is kind of interesting that over time a lot of that gets uh, squeezed out of people and I I mean I haven't been to like a proper reunion but I feel like weddings have become the new reunion because no one has time to plan a fucking good reunion (laughs) um, because we all are busy but um, I think when we go to weddings and we see certain people like I think some people have let it get squeezed out of them more and it, 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 it can be kind of a bummer Because I was like, you were so, like, full of life and you were going to change the world. Like, we called you Bill Gates 2.0, you know? Right, right, right. um, right. But the world has a a sneaky way of just kind of cutting you down at the knees, especially if you have, like, something special about you. Um, That's what you said about, like, attracting those of the energy you put out. That is still the law of attraction. Like, I will say that when I started researching and I was feeling so lost in my 20s, they were like, you are the culmination 
of what the, the 10 people that you have most around you, right. the voices, the dialogues, the energy. And I was like, oh, I have to be very conscious of oh. who is around me. Right. And then also it's like they were when you were going to college, when you were talking, you know, your family has expectations of you. Like, where are you going to go in life, career, blah, 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 like social status, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. None of I can't get to where I am today without my pure friendships that give me unconditional love. It's just I, it's impossible. Right. Like, so when did you start to call those friendships? Like, when did you start to cut down your social circle? I, oh, that's really hard. Um, mm. I would say maybe in my late 20s, bordering. No, maybe 30. Wow. Wow. Um, I think 30, you know, I was talking about that switch that happened where I was just like, I realized that I only have 24 hours a day. I only have 100 percent of myself. Mm. I don't have 200 percent of myself. You know, Priscilla, I know you you definitely you give yourself so much to people sometimes that you burn out. Yeah. 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 And then you need to recover. Mm -hmm. And that's like a thing for you. But for me, I was just like, I have a barometer. I have a certain bandwidth. And what do I have enough space for? And I only have enough fertilizer to nourish certain plants. Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. Right. Bringing like you're talking gardening about gardening. Metaphor back. Yes. And then and then you start asking yourself, like, there are some friends who have been in your life for a very long time and mm -hmm. they're there because you're just like longevity investment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The same way you would do like a romantic relationship. You've been in a romantic relationship for like 10 years, but you haven't felt aligned or you haven't grown together like but you're in it because you're just like I've invested all this time I've committed to it so let it be what it is so what's the challenge the challenge is is you have to ask yourself what it is that you need right now mm. and what is it that we live in our bodies we talked about this before mm -hmm. our mental and emotional health is something that wasn't discussed when we were younger mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it affects everything right that we are and that includes the people that you choose to have around you it is part of your health. Just think about it in that sense. I think our Asian parents kind of I, I, the message I got was, you know, um, oh, if someone's bothering you, like you should just like learn how to put up with it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like yeah. cut unhealthy people out. It was like, oh, what's wrong with you then? If you're not getting along with them, what's wrong with you? Like, which is fair, I guess, sometimes. But like, sometimes it's just like that relationship just deserves to get cut out. You know, it just deserves to get cut out. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I know it's hard and it's very painful. But like, um, you know, there are certain signs mm -hmm. yeah. that you get. Let's talk about these signs, Priscilla. Like okay. what I want you to tell me, what are the ingredients for a true friendship for you? Okay. And what are the signs for a toxic friendship for you? A true friendship for me is... Somebody who genuinely cares about my well-being and I genuinely care about their well-being. And if and someone who can like actually really empathize with me and show up for me when I need them and vice versa, that I can truly empathize with and show up for. Um, I do think like you, you need like a mutual type of attraction to each other. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you have to like genuinely like somebody to like really forge a true friendship, whether that liking feeling comes right at the get-go or or forms later i think that has to just kind of be there mm -hmm. um but yeah i just really think it's like about showing up for one another and i think the opposite side of that is toxic friendships that i think i've had it's kind of like i feel like shit about myself after i'm not being uplifted in any way I'm, I'm drained, drained of right? energy exactly yeah. i feel like maybe inadequate in some way and just like the balance of what they're getting out of the friendship versus what I'm quote unquote getting out of it is totally off. 
Do you feel used, right? Yeah, definitely can feel used. And and on the on the flip side of that flip side, I also had to recognize like when I'm the person that's being toxic, when I'm the person that has the potential to be toxic to this person, you know, um, and then really either cut myself off from that because like I need to work on myself, you know, or um, truly like work on communicating better and setting up boundaries in place where like I my toxic um, habits, my even, whether they're known to me or not, my toxic habits can't get in the way either, you know. How about for you? I think that's so mature of you to be able to recognize that and take ownership of that, because um, I think at some point we were all either complicit in toxic behavior. Right. Mm -hmm. Or we did it ourselves without even knowing it, because it's easy to point out everybody else's toxic traits. But like it takes a lot to recognize that within ourselves. Like, I think the thing about Rochelle's friendship and going, going, let's talk about like female friendships, you know, I guess in grade school mm -hmm. and stuff like that, like your female BFF, like they were very much like boyfriend, like, mm -hmm. like your boyfriends because they, you can't have another best friend. Like that's not allowed. Um, and also they controlled very much of your time. Like you were dedicated and loyal to them. And uh, I think what changed with me and Rochelle's relationship, because it's unlike any other relationship I've ever had in my life. Mm. And I remembered that, you know, she would give me advice and I would give her advice. And in my previous, you know, girlfriend relationships, I've always been like, okay, I'm telling you this as a Capricorn, it's for your best, it's for your greater good. Mm -hmm. Like, and you should do it. Mm -hmm. Right. But then they end up not taking my advice and I get really hurt by it, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And then Rochelle, she, how she handles it with me. She's like, I think that this is what's happening. And she goes, but you know what, whatever you decide to do, mm -hmm. I'm here for you. Like if you end up staying with this person or like, if you end up taking this job and still being miserable, she goes, I'm here for you. If you need support, I'm here for you, whether or not you take that advice or not, you know? Wow. And I, and I just learned from her, like what it's like to, be so unconditionally loving. Right. And she never gets jealous of my other relationships. She never gets jealous of my other friendships. And um, she taught me to not be jealous of her and her other friendships. Right. Because it's like, hey, here and now, this is us. This is us right here. <laughs> it kind of ties up with my polyamorous. It, it kind of does. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I was thinking that, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's all sort of the same, you know, yeah. this philosophy. Just that like love grows and expands when you spread it to when you spread it around. Love can grow and expand. You know what I mean? Like like when parents have another kid, like their love for the first kid doesn't go away. Their hearts like grow and expand. And I think with friendship, like uh, that possessive, jealous quality is only going to inhibit the amount of love we can give and receive, you know? Yeah, because there's a dark side of control. You know, you want to yeah. be able to have people be free and like live their best life and be a part of their journey. Like that's the beauty of relationships is that. Right. So now now for friendship, like what are kind of your um, standards? Like what who's able to like kind of get into the Roxy friendship garden now? You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess it would be uh, I need to be able to give to someone and receive from someone. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's like us putting like a little watering can above each yes. other's heads while we stand in front of each other. Be like, you grow. No, you grow. Yes. It's like, I'm helping you grow. No, I'm helping it's you like grow. It's like oral oh sex, We're growing man. together. <laughs> We're growing together in yes. this love for each other. And I also said, uh, I, my condition is unconditional love. Like, um, you will like not be in judgment, you know, 
be in support. I think at the end of the day, it's just about nurture and gardening. Uh, like, yes, yeah. we don't have to see each other all the time. You know, we keep each other. No, do you don't want to overwater? You don't want to overwater. No, like simply thinking about that person is is enough. Sometimes, you know, like you pass that energy through the energetic ex- exchange. And so for me, it's actually not a lot. It, but but to have it actually grow into a place of trust and closeness, like the way that we have, it always takes time. Yeah. And I think the like along with this gardening metaphor um and this is this episode is just gonna be called garden home and gardening (laughs) by roxy and frisca but i think the the thing is like when you're gardening you have to be able to um root out weeds you have to be able to cut off parts of the plant that are dried out you have to prune them Mm -hmm. um you have to be able to like wreck something to make it grow better sometimes like you have to like fuck the dirt up you know to loosen it up and and if i was work yeah if i was an earthworm i'd be like this is like a stage five disaster but the fact is you're you're clearing that dirt you're taking out old roots um you're like you're aerating it you know to make sure like I don't really know the science behind gardening. I'm not going to pretend, but like, I'm just going to throw the words nitrogen, phosphorus around. (laughs) But basically like you have to do all these things. And I think for me, that's like, I was such a people pleaser growing up that a lot of my friendships didn't thrive because I was just being a yes man. All I was Mm. doing was watering. I didn't know how to prune. I didn't know how to like aerate the dirt. I didn't know how to like, you know what I mean? Do the, I didn't know how to like get in the dirt and get my hands dirty. You know what I'm saying? And now I think the biggest thing I've learned about adult friendships is like, if something feels off or something feels weird, like I will immediately pick up the phone um, for you Gen Z people out there. A phone is a, no, I'm kidding. I'll immediately pick up the phone and don't call text. Them. Yeah. Call. Don't text yeah. call. And I'll immediately either apologize for what I, you know, think I did wrong or ask them like what's going on. And I don't think I knew how to do that. And and often like when people call me for advice, my main advice is like, just call them, like just call them. If they're like, I don't know what's going on in their head. I'm like, dude, we're in our thirties. You can pick up the phone and you can be a grown up and have that very, very, very uncomfortable conversation. Um, but that is what changes. Everything is like the ability to communicate effectively and efficiently while um holding compassion in your heart and empathy and love um and then like so it's a little bit of like juggling and then also like to not be afraid to broach topics that do make you uncomfortable and do make you a little bit afraid see when it's uncomfortable there's growth that happens afterwards right yeah Yeah. but it has to be with love because it has to be with i hate people that are like i'm just so honest and they just shit all over people and they're like i can't (laughs) help it i'm so honest i'm like bitch you can take two extra seconds to check in with someone's feelings like you know that's called being an adult if you're just like on a one-track mind of honesty like dude you're a 1d boring ass person you know what i mean you can take them take a minute to consider the person and their feelings and where they're coming from it takes a minute have to learn how to be soft too in our strength right yeah like and speaking of being soft before we move into like really our toxic friendships i have a question for you well, I have a question for Wait, you. Wait. Okay, you go first. <laughs> okay, I really want to ask you about, um, like, can you be friends with, like, I know you're like a, you know, straight woman, but it's mm-hmm. like, can you have a friendship with a straight guy? Oh my God, and I was going to ask you it? the same thing. I was going to ask you this. <laughs> can you, if you're both single, yep. does it work? Oh, if you're both single. Yeah, I'm just going to put it in that context. Because I think that when you're in partnership or if you're a monogamous partnership, like those boundaries are already set and... Um, I don't know. How do you navigate that? Um, okay. I think when you're, when you're single, if you're both single, I think you can definitely be friends with the opposite sex. I think 
that you just need to have like healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, But also, like I said, like, you know, I was bullied for a really long time. And because of that, I had a lot of anxiety about forming friendships with females. And so I was one of those girls that was like, I just want to be one of the guys. All I need are guy friends. Um, And I think that was actually masking the fact that like, I didn't really know how to form healthy female friendships. Mm. Um, And I think with guys, all you have to really do is it to be one of the guys is just like to be down for anything and roll with the jokes. And when they make misogynistic jokes, like you can't act offended. You know what I mean? And you have to learn how to make misogynistic jokes back at them. Like it's this weird like thing. Then this is like not so much how it is anymore, but that's definitely how it was like in the early 2000s um, in my experience. And so I think like I really valued my male friendships um, for a really long time, but it was because I, I, I don't know. I guess I was like, I, I didn't know how to form friendships with females. Um, and I think that men, so to answer your question, <laughs> so I think men and women can be friends, like straight men and women can be friends when they're single, but there needs to be healthy boundaries. Can and they I think, be best friends. The thing is like best friends, that's like a tried and true that's like a tried and true title. Like that's not something that's, that's a cute feeling to feel. You might feel best friends feelings for each other. You might've gone things through things together where you are best friends in that moment. But I don't know if you can sustain that best friendship once you get into a long-term partnership. There you go. So I don't know. I think you might be able to be best friends in certain moments, but I think that that dynamic will have to change in order to make way for like a healthy you know what I mean? Partnership later. What do you think? See, that's crazy. Cause like if with my best girlfriends, I'm like, then nothing will have to change. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. But then if you happen to have a best friend of the opposite sex yeah. and if you're both hetero, it's like, Oh, threat. You know what I mean? Oh God. Is that designed by society? I think it is to an yeah. extent, but I, I do. I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's about balance. I think we need friends of both gender to find uh, balance. I 100 percent agree. Right. And I think so as a married straight woman, I think like the open communication that has to constantly happen with my husband about my male friendships is sometimes more work than I'm you know what I mean? Than I than I feel like it's it's a lot of work to constantly communicate and constantly like keep him in the know and constantly like make sure he feels comfortable as well. Um, but the fact is like in my relationship, that's so worth it to me because the rewards there in my relationship are tenfold what I might gain from like a secret text exchange with a guy friend. You know what I mean? So it's like keeping those channels open and even like having to distance myself from certain friends for the health of my relationship, which was honestly really, really frustrating when that first started happening. But if my partner's not comfortable with it, like it's my preference to respect that. I I think other people might have different ways of dealing with it. And this is how we've dealt with it in my marriage is like I am choosing to respect where my partner's coming from. And like for, you know, for 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 my husband, he has been cheated on in the past. And Mm -hmm. I think he's a little bit more mm, sensitive. Um, He's a little more wary of of close relationships uh, between a guy and a girl. Those those scars stay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's good that like you take care of that. It's just uh, interesting because like 
I love my guy friends. Mm -hmm. Like I am so close to so many dudes. We have very healthy, long-term friendships and I consider them some of the closest people in my life to me. And it's like, just like being a brother or like, you know, like I said, my chosen family. Um, and, uh, and I think what's really wonderful is in our twenties, they were like a certain way, like it was always about fun and like, you know, partying together and like going on trips together and like having experiences together. And now in our thirties, our relationship has really evolved into like being more vulnerable with each other and platonic intimacy is so amazing. And like being able to see my guy friends become soft, right. You know, um, is a wonderful thing, but I also, a lot of them are booed up now and like married and, um, <laughs> yeah, how have they changed? Them. Like how, 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 what friendships have you kind of lost or have evolved since they've gotten booed up? I haven't lost them. I would just say I see them a lot less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I respect that. And, um, we don't have as much time together. We don't go as on as many trips together, Yeah, but the love for each other is still there and the care, tenderness and, you know, Like, it's always there. It's just not what it used to be, but I'm okay with it because you have to have a balance, right? So I'm just very thankful because those relationships are strong enough that when you do see each other, it's as if no time has passed. And you could easily pick up, you know, where you left off. And and honestly, selfishly, I'm always just thinking about like, (laughs) because a lot of my guy friends work in my industry. I'm like, what can I get on? on a show together with them so I can spend more time <laughs> <laughs> you know like, like that's how you choose your product because they're projects. forced to spend time with yeah so when you are booed up how does that change the way that you know I'm never your friends, booed up when you were booed up for when a I long was time up, yeah. was that yeah. ever an issue like how close I, I didn't see any real change with you know how you had to be with your guy friends but I don't know internally if that was ever an issue Oh, I think that like Greg was never, he never, and this is what was so wonderful about him. Mm -hmm. He never felt threatened at all. He never felt jealous. He never felt anything. And if he did, he would say it, but in a cute way that was just like not serious. Like he was like, oh my God, I ain't spending so much time with it. But um, (laughs) he knows that because, you know, I am who I am. And he knows that like I have deep loyalty um, with somebody. And so uh, and and I guess his upbringing also made him never concerned about the fact like he never felt threatened. Got you. Like it wasn't a past wound, I would say. I see. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So he was very much like always very happy and like, let me do whatever I want. (laughs) So (laughs) if you if you did have a boo who like really like you guys, it was it. That was it. That's who you wanted to be with. Um, But they were a little bit weird about certain male friendships. Like, how would you how do you think like right now this Roxy, how would you deal with that? I don't um, I was like, you got to do the work to let that go. My experience and who I am now, I'm just like, you just have to trust this. Mm hmm. Because for me, that just shows that you don't trust me and you don't trust our connection. And like, and that's what love is. You just have to trust the person and, and trust comes from friendship first. Friendship is yeah. the foundation of everything like monumental, you know, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. But what I've experienced is that where it gets tricky is, you know, guys have this thing where they're like, oh, guys can always tell when a guy likes another girl or whatever, like type mm-hmm. of shit. I don't know how true that actually is, but it's like one of those things that guys say like, oh, like I can tell like guys can tell. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But like if you have a friend who used to have a thing for you, but then you guys got over it and you guys, you know, forged a friendship. Um, but then that 
friendship comes up it, when you're booed up later, like that friendship comes up um, and they know that like this person was attracted to you at a certain point at, at that point. Like, is that problematic? Like, you know what I mean? How would you kind of navigate that? I'm going to ask you this question, too, because this has <laughs> happened to you. I mean, literally like this. I'm asking you because like, I'm a, I'm I don't you. know. I, I don't know if I dealt with it correctly. You know what I'm saying? So the past is in the past. Yeah. Yeah. The past. And also I, I was I was hanging out with Rochelle yesterday and I, love her. <laughs> and I actually brought up this question. And, you know, because we were talking about do cycles end? Yeah. You know, it may seem like they end, but then they reopen a door because I did have the situation where I was dating somebody a couple of years ago and then mm-hmm. they came back into my life very recently. And then we tried it again and it didn't work. You know, like totally you just would you open up that possibility when there was a seed there in the beginning and it just really depends on the circumstance in your present life you really don't know you know i think that we just have to really feel out what our present energies are and like what it is that we want and need and what our focus is but you just really can't determine that i would say that boundaries are very important i know you're married to abe it's like abe is the one yeah priority and everybody else could go like like that's not even being considered but if it were like me you know i don't know like i don't know i have to consider the factors right totally yeah i think i think for me i think like you know being a girl who's like tried to be one of the guys whatever that means you know it was always like oh even if someone catches feelings like strength to me was like knowing that that was happening but like being able to like get over it or hang out and not have that be a thing for whatever reason that was like strength it was kind of a warped view of like being strong in 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 your resolve I guess um but I think what I had to learn was getting married I realized that ultimately at the bottom of it all it was a pride issue um because I felt like a certain amount of pride at being able one to have guy friends for it was like leftover from you know what what I talked about earlier, um, so I felt pride in like you know being able to have guy friends and then pride that like actually I was um, attractive to said guy friend uh, and then uh, that I could have the strength to also know that they were attracted to me but not ever act on it. That's like you holding power, you know. It's totally power and pride, and until I could realize that. I would always view Abe as like somehow in the wrong and not dealing with his own stuff. But until I could fully recognize my own complicity and like where it was actually me that was holding on to things for kind of the wrong reason. And I don't think it was necessarily like attention. It was just pride and power in a weird way where I had felt powerless in a lot of a lot of cases in my life and I was like such a late bloomer that this didn't happen until very late in my life and so I kind of was like relishing in it a little bit you know I was like more like anthropological like I was like intrigued um but yeah I had to really learn to let that go and like I don't know if I handled it well or handled it correctly and like um I was probably slow dragging my feet and ended up hurting my husband more than I think I needed to not with anything like untoward but just like just having uh, inviting certain conversations into my life like inviting certain um um a certain amount of like intimacy like uh like emotionally with my guy friends you know um i i've hurt abe more than i probably needed to because i was slow on the uptake 
um, to realize like my own flaws and my own fucked up, like twisted issues, you know, when it came it to men. It is all a growing process. <laughs> it totally process. is. All right, guys. So we're going to transition right now. So uh, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with topic two. Stay tuned. Hi, Goatees. We love hanging out with you every week. If you're liking what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a lot, and we will be eternally grateful. Hey, guys, welcome back. This is topic two now, and we're talking about toxic relationships today. And I don't know if, about you guys, but I think if you've been brought up with toxic relationships or if you've had toxic relationships around you, they can have a lot of like negative effects on your on your brain, on your emotional state. Um, Rox, have, how have you coped with toxicity in your life? I've always just let it go. But by letting it go, I think I brainwash myself. Wow. How do you bra- like do you actively lie to yourself? I, I think I think I just forget about it. Wow. Like I literally forget about it. Like I go into this thing where I'm like, my life is good. I think it also comes with conditioning from my mom when I was growing up. She's like, you have it so good. You get to be in America. You get to have all these privileges totally it just felt like being bullied or like being you know um being in toxic relationships or like friendships or like when people say things that really hurt you just forget because I just remembered that like you know me and my mom's pattern was always she was always uh cold shouldering ignoring it as if it never happened wow and then coming back to regular life again so in a way I internalized that and it became my coping mechanism like I would just forget the next day or so what happened the day before. And if I can't remember it, it never happened. Right. True. I think like I know you're you're an only child, but we're both the eldest daughter in our family. I I think it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a firstborn trait to kind of have a certain type of memory loss, like especially when you experience trauma. Um, But, you know, I think for 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 me, too, I have a lot of things I blocked out like memory loss. And then sometimes I come back at three in the morning or I'll be talking to my sisters and they're like, remember when you went through this, you know? And so I, I remember. So back in eighth grade, I had a friend who sprained her ankle and I spent the two weeks she was recovering, holding her crutches, grabbing her books, going up and downstairs with her. Um, and it was like a, you know, it was just like, I, it was probably just my Christian upbringing, like, you know, programmed. I was just like, I, I must do this for the Lord. <laughs> you know, this is going to get me a mansion in heaven. This is great. Um, but like, I just genuinely wanted to help her. And, yeah. and I did. And then a couple weeks after that, I, I had a knee injury, which resulted in a surgery where they had to replace, they had to bas- basically regrow my, um, my cartilage in, in my meniscus. Um, cause yeah, anyway. And so I was on crutches for about close to six months. Like I had to relearn how to walk, you know? And um, there's a lot of shit going on. And I remember my first day back at school after a month bed rest, um, I'm, I'm, you know, crutching from class to class. And I get into a class with this girl that I'd helped for two weeks and we kind of made eye contact. And it was kind of like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to have a person, you know, to kind of kick it with and to help me out. Um, But then she like shook her head because that girl that I told you about basically like had edged her into not Oh my God. Wanting to do that. No. Yeah. So cut to a, a little bit later in class. Like I was, I was okay. I was pretty, you know, deft on my crutches, but, um, there was this one set of stairs that were kind of like, um, metal, like, you know, and so if it's wet at all, it's like super slippery. You know what I'm talking about? So I'm crutching up these stairs. Um, and because there's no one to hold the crutches, like I'm using both crutches to go up, which is like not an easy thing to do. Um, and I go flying backwards off the, off the, 
you know, stairs. I tumble, roll, and land on my back um, with my backpack on. So I'm like a turtle. And because I can't really use my core muscles because they're kind of connected to like, you know, your knees and your thighs or whatever, I'm laying there unable to move, crutches thrown to either side, books sprawled everywhere. And I laid there until the bell rang and people left their classrooms and saw me like laying in the middle of the school courtyard, like unable to get up. That was so difficult. Um, and it was just like a fucked up thing that happened and I got over it and finally someone helped me up. But my mom, and I didn't know this for years, my mom mar- like drove there from her office in downtown LA, went into the principal's office and, d- and was like, bitch. No, she didn't say bitch, but she was like, yo, this is supposed to be a Christian school and you allowed my daughter who helped someone else for two weeks on crutches to be alone without any help, falling down a set of stairs, being laughed at in, you know, when kids came out. Um, and, and she's like, what kind of school is this? So then the principal had a genius idea um, to assign the hottest boy in school to help me with my crutches <laughs> for the rest of the semester. Oh my God, is it your Christian like romance movie? I wish. I wasn't really into Jake. I was into this other kid who ended up he was Mormon and he had to move back to Utah. So he was, he was cute. Oh, I'm going to Utah. Maybe I can find Jake. Maybe you, you can find him. <laughs> He's probably like married. Um, well, anyway, so I, but the thing is like for years, I forgot about that. I like literally like, I didn't remember how bad it was. Like, I didn't remember like exactly what happened. I didn't know my mom went in there. I thought it was just a kind of a funny memory. Um, but then like I was talking to my sister and she was like, yo, that was a really like serious like that was really bad and my mom told me she like came and like spoke to the principal and I never knew that um which was kind of touching because you know I think she was really trying to stand up for me but it was just weird how something that uh like big like if that was in like a teen rom-com that would be like the climax of the movie you know what I mean something that big I I completely like blocked out kind of because I just didn't want to remember it because it's It's just a survival mechanism too because you don't want to cling on to that negative traumatic life event you don't want that to determine who you are you know because you were already on crutches you were already feeling weak (laughs) you know what I mean and you were getting edged out of these like especially that girl who you helped who ended up like succumbing to like the toxic behavior I know of that and group. I don't blame her because you know peer pressure is really hard of course you know but at no, the no, same no, of time of course not but, but it's, it's yeah. a pattern of human behavior but it's and especially when we're growing like we 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 obviously we obviously get drawn to the one that's more powerful right, right. you want to be a part of the powerful group the one that has influence that's a very natural thing totally and it's uh it takes a lot for you to become older and I think if you do grow out of it, you look back and you're like, oh, I was a bully. Right. 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 But I think for you, like these types of toxic bullying relationships were a lot more subtle. Is that true? No. Um, no. No. OK. I, no, because I think I moved around a lot. I remember when I first moved to Diamond Bar and uh, people were mean. Really? As fuck to me. What yeah, happened? Like, I, because they were these really cool. They're all Koreans. They're so cool. Good looking Korean. People. Diamond Bar High School is known <laughs> for having very good looking people. <laughs> and I was just so alienated. And there were, mm. you know, I like to dance a lot. I like to be myself. I'm, I'm really outgoing and very expressive. I've been that way my whole life. Yeah. And I think also my my tendency to like be a part of so many different groups was just trying to find a place where I truly felt like I belonged. Right. And it never felt natural. And I remembered uh, there was this girl, Janet. <laughs> 
I remember you, bitch. I'm just spill kidding. that Janet, tea. Janet, you want to come, come be a guest on our show? Call. <laughs> Let's talk. Email us at Two Horny Goats. Um, and uh, she was always like, you're so ugly. She's like, you think you're cool. Yeah, she's like, you think you're a good dancer, but nobody likes watching you dance, so stop dancing. Oh, fuck that bitch. Yeah, and, and, and she would just be like, no one likes you. Like, stop doing things. Like, stop running for ASB. Stop running like no one likes you. And um, what does she do now? I don't know. I have no, I, I don't follow anybody. Oh my but, God. Um, fuck it, that It's okay. Bitch. I'm very successful now. And like, you know, I'm a, a famous director and I have a successful podcast and I could do whatever I want. So... <laughs> Honestly, yes. living your best life is the best type of revenge for people who've hurt you in the past. Sure, so, sure. Um, I just remembered, like, she always had, like, a like an entourage behind her. And then um, I think in eighth grade or something, like, one of her entourage people was in, like, a science group with me. Oh my Mimi. Gosh. I remember you, Mimi, this tall, gorgeous woman, girl at the time named Mimi. <laughs> and then she was so nice to me. And I was just like, well, aren't you friends with Janet? <laughs> and shouldn't you be, you shouldn't be talking to me. Yeah, this is dangerous for you, bitch. <laughs> I know. And she's like, well, I don't think Janet's the nicest person. And she's like, I don't know if we want to hang out with her anymore because she's just not the nicest person. And like for her to say that was like the complete counter of like what all these teen, you know, movies like it's not Gretchen Wieners. You know what I mean? She was actually like being questioning whether or not she wants to stay friends with someone who is so toxic. And um, and I, I, you know, having that conversation with her, I was like, whoa, okay, maybe I'm not as ugly and maybe I'm not because you really start to internalize it. If everyone's saying, saying people are complicit in being silent about that one person saying that to you, you're still going to believe that they believe that because they didn't speak up for you. It's like marketing. It's it's marketing. Yeah. Yeah. They, they marketing. They put a message out to the world and it was false. Like, you know what I mean? So but but you believe you start to believe it. Yeah. Like you start to believe that McDonald's actually tastes really good because the marketing says it's going to. McDonald's <laughs> is the taste of nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's not good. It's not good. But it's the taste of nostalgia. So, OK, so you had like straight up bullies. But mm-hmm. on top of that, that that wasn't the only toxicity in your life. You also had like BFFs who controlled you or like, you know what I mean? Try to manipulate you. Right. And the, so how was that different from like a straight up bully? Because the thing is that, um, you know, when you were in Ellen. Oh, OK. So when I moved around a lot when I was a kid and I really like a girl, you know what I mean? I yeah. want to be her friend. And she's always like, oh, my best friend is blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, me and my best right. friend, like everyone already had best friends. It was that <laughs> lucrative. Yeah. Like mysterious, elusive relationship that every young girl wanted to have is my best friend. Right. Totally. hundred percent. Like get those bracelets. And and you should talk about your relationship with Sonia too at some point. Right. Yeah. No, I, I was very lucky. You know, I, I I have like two best friends in my life. One of them is my sister Rose. um, And I think like she, uh, Actually, she and I had to kind of like we had a certain codependency going on for sure. And like when when I got got a boyfriend, um, we had to kind of learn where to like leave room for each other. You know what I mean? And like leave space for each other. So I think I, I wouldn't say it was like a toxic thing but there was a lot of codependency with like some to- so toxic traits yeah sister. literally can't break up with my sister <laughs> but like there were some toxic traits to our relationship and then we had to just kind of like learn through it you know what i mean and like leave space for each other and i think 
I think like with anything as an older sister, you have to wait till your sister goes through it before you both can kind of learn. You know what I mean? Um, But I think it was even tougher for my husband because it wasn't like a control thing. But like for my sisters, like I'm their big sister and I'm like always there for them. And so anytime they're not like uh, especially Rose, like anytime she's not a priority, she would get upset with me. But then for for Abe, he's like, like, you know. I'm in a relationship with you, not like you and your family. So we had to really find a balance in that. Yeah. yeah. Took some time. Um, But yeah, I think I never really dealt with like controlling or toxic BFFs as my best friend is her name, Sonia Bao. Love her. And uh, we met at four years old and um, her, her grandmother was actually my babysitter. And, uh, and we always joke like, what the fuck were you doing when your grandmother was watching us? But anyhow, the mystery still remains. Um, but we met at four years old and we kind of were like connected on and off, um, through like, you know, our, our like childhood. Um, and then, uh, in junior high, we reconnected and I just remember seeing her and I was like, Sonia Bao. And she was like, Priscilla Liang. And like my husband says, the rest was history. She's the kindest, most giving, most understanding, um, person, like in my life that I've ever met. And we don't talk like all that often, but every time we talk, it's like, great and it's as if there was no time that ever passed you know what I mean so I was like very fortunate and there was never like she had this group of friends who they called themselves well I I won't call her out for it but she she had this group of friends who called themselves a certain nickname and I would like joke about it and part of it was like I was a little bit jealous but at the same time like we didn't go to the same high schools we didn't take the same classes like we were so separate in like geography but we were so close in terms of like she let me be me I went through a lot of interesting phases growing up, but I often like would leave her 10 minute rambling voicemails. And that was just the beginning of the pod. You know what I'm saying? But I would leave her 10 minute rambling voicemails where I would do voices, where I would tell like stupid stories. And I would like, like, you know, basically put on an entire play or like improv show and then be like, okay, call me later. Bye. Like it was so, but she let me be me and she accepted me for who I was. So see, that's the most important thing. Also, another thing that really want to point out is you know it's like you show your love to certain people here's a toxic trait that i want to address it's like if you say for example this is just an example yeah a boyfriend says to a girlfriend hey i'm gonna go and like hang out with my buds tonight right and the girl would say no don't go spend it with me Mm. right because i'm your priority right but if she says and then he's like, oh, and she's so controlling, right? Yeah. And then she's like, no, go have a good time. You know, I'll see you when you get back. And then there are some people who are conditioned to be like, wait, she just doesn't care enough about me. That's such a balance. It's, it's such, such a, a balance, balance, right? It's just like, wait, oh, oh, yeah. You know, you go hang out with that guy friend of yours or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, why aren't you jealous? If you're jealous, it means that you care about this. Yeah. No, totally. That's like a very toxic ingrained. It's a very toxic thing because yeah. growth means that you let go of that jealousy. Totally. That you replace that with trust. Right. Right. So, Rox, in your adult life, were there friends you had that you thought were going to be lifers who you realized were actually sapping the energy out of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I, uh, you know, everybody changes. Mm. And something I realized is that, um, you know, people grow into different people. And at some point you realize you're no longer aligned or energetically matching with each other anymore. Mm. So, um, you know, there was this like very long term friendship that I really, really, really loved. And um, it got to a point where whenever they texted me, I would get triggered wow. and I would feel um, I would feel anxiety rather than joy. 
And then, like, I realized that the relationship became very one-sided. Like, every time they hung out with us, um, it was always about them. They never asked about us. They never never asked how we were. And they were just, they were just um, accepting the projections on social media and my success as, like, as just clues that I'm just doing fine. That right. I'm just having my best life. When, in fact, there was no equal give and take mm. of, like, there was no real genuine love or concern at that point. And I know they were going through a tough time, but so were we. Yeah. You know, and also another thing was that, like, they start to tell our history differently. Interesting. Like, like how so? Like, you know, um, they remember certain events that we shared in a different way. So, you know how, like, stories are just wait, history is just stories that we tell each other. Right. Whoever is the author gets to determine that point of view. Who is the villain? Who is the hero? Who is the protagonist? Who is the antagonist? Right. And they started telling, you know, our past in a very different way. And I started to realize that I didn't see this person the same way anymore. That every time that I talked to them, I felt sad afterwards. I felt used. I felt like I gave away my sunshine. Um, And that I had to go away and somehow heal myself away from them so that I could fill my barometer again. And um, and it really broke my heart because it got to a point where they just kept wanting more of my sunshine until I had nothing more to give them because I had no sunshine for myself. So literally sucking the life out of you. Yeah. And I and then it was hard because society doesn't teach you how to break up with a long-term friend. It's true. They teach you how to handle relationship, romantic relationships, but not long-term deep friendships. And it's like we were deep, but then it, it changed and her life changed. And, you know, and it just sucks. Cause like in a way it's more painful because they've been in your life for so long. Yeah. And so, um, how did and you then, go about? How did I go about it? Well, yeah. you know, regardless, it's going to be hard. And regardless, you're going to be the bad guy. Like, regardless, it you, we can't win. You know, you just have to come from a place of honesty. And how they, however they take it is up to them. How they react to it is how they react. Yeah. Like, I, I think that therapy is very important and that everybody should do it while they can. Because another thing I want to emphasize is that everyone is going through their own shit and like you can't dump everything on one person you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like on your best friend or whatever sometimes they're not available for it sometimes they don't have that mental or emotional capacity at that moment that Mm -hmm. you call them like we are each other's therapists and cheerleaders in life but there are boundaries so nowadays when i want to lean on someone like if i call you prisca i'm like do you have space or do you have time for me for like 15 minutes can I lean on you you know like changing your language so that you respect the person um and and the space that they have for you instead of coming out of nowhere like an avalanche and I felt like you're trying to lift up these people but um they were just bringing you down and at some point it's like I felt like I was a punching bag oh wow wow so I broke up with them it was painful and uh, obviously they I think they hate me Um, but, um, hopefully time will heal and allow them to reflect it in a different way where I'm not the villain of the story. Right. But it's, sometimes it's like, like you said, it's like, it's okay that it's almost like that sacrifice that you make where it's like, I'm okay with being the villain in your story. Like, because like, that's what it required for us to separate. You know what I mean? Like in a certain way, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully like, hopefully you can 
come to see me in a different light later, but like, that's not on you. That's, that's their own journey to go on, you know? For sure. And, and you just got to do what you think is right, what your intuition is telling you. And some things are just meant to end. Yeah. But there's still things you miss about it. I'm sure. Of course. I'm always going to love that person. Yeah. You know, and then I'll send them love when I think of them, you know, and like hope and, and, and hope that they are able to figure things out in the way that I couldn't help them with, Hmm. you know? So, um, that is, yeah. Um, breaking off. I mean, did you ever have to break one off? I would say because I was bullied for a really long time, I'm a major people pleaser. Um, and so in my, like in my college and early twenties, I think I had a lot of unhealthy friends around me because I just wanted to show them like I could do anything to make them happy. Like I was willing to like really uh, burn burn the candle at both ends to do anything for people. And I think like when I met Abe, like Abe has no uh, Abe has like a very sensitive bullshit meter. And when I think he recognized like certain people were only in my life for like what I could offer them or what I would do for them, he really, really, really challenged me to take a hard look at some of these friendships. And so I called a lot of them out just in terms of like, it's funny how like if you don't reach out, then you realize like they never reach out. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. That's like a funny thing that happens. Um, And I still have I think there are some friendships, like I said, with my sister, where there were a lot of toxic elements. And for a long time, if I didn't deal with them head on, um, I think it was a combination of two sides of toxicity at that point. I've lost some of those friendships. I, I didn't necessarily have to break up, but I've had a, I had a very, very dear friend of mine who I think she was going through certain things and she was reacting to me in certain ways because of things going on in her life. And I read it wrong. And so I reacted in a way that was like maybe too reactionary and that friendship kind of imploded. And I think about her all the time because we'd been friends since college. Um, And I still think she's like one of the most incredible people. And so I didn't necessarily have to break up with her or, you know, or she didn't break up with me, but there there's a lot of mourning that still goes on for that. And, and that sucks because I think, I think toxicity and maturity kind of go hand in hand. And I think when you're, when you're both a little immature, then you're both kind of toxic, whether you realize it or not, you know? And so, yeah, but I think I've really tried to learn how to not be such a people pleaser and how to actually show up and be there for my friends. And I think since then, um, it, it hasn't really been a problem in any of my close friendships. But the caveat is, um, like like I said, last year I moved to Ashland, Oregon, um, and I realized like my life in L.A., I was able to kind of like create a cocoon around me with people who love me, who I love. I had like my community. I never felt really any discomfort. I had this like moment where I woke up and I was like, I make enough money to pay my rent. I have a very nice loving partner. I have all the friends like that I need. I don't need any more or any less. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm totally comfortable. Like there's nothing in my life that's uncomfortable. Um, until I moved out to Ashland and then I realized all of those challenges that I felt like I was over, I wasn't necessarily completely over. Um, like people pleasing definitely reared its ugly head again. You know what I mean? Allowing like toxic relationships to rule my life by not knowing how to set boundaries was very, was there again. And I 
like I said, I wasn't part of the company at OSF, um, at Oregon Shakespeare Festival, but I so wanted to impress people. I wanted people to like me. I wanted, and, and then because of that, I was willing to do literally anything to get them to like me. You know what I mean? And then I invited a lot of, uh, like a, a choice amount of toxic relationships into my life. And honestly, it wasn't anyone else's fault. Like I didn't know how to set proper boundaries. Or maybe if I knew how, I, I, I didn't set proper boundaries. I think it's a what you were talking about earlier about that friendship of yours imploding is a lot of how people deal with breaking up relationships in general, just fading out. Right. Romantic or otherwise or platonic, just like let's just fade out. Right. Instead of having closure and having a discussion, obviously, it's the harder thing to do. And I, you know, um, one of my partners, he's a family and relationship therapist. Mm. And he says, you know, every relationship, it's like you two come to have a conversation. If one person's like, I'm done, this is over. No. Instead of being like, can we talk about this? Can we work on this together? Then it's like, well, if you're not in it, then why am I here? I'm out. Yeah. You know? So, um, yes, yeah, so it's like a super long learning process. And um, I think really to recap everything that we talked about today, it's just about, you know, learn to be your own best friend. Everything starts from you first. Totally. So I just have one more question for you. We've talked about other people's toxicity, but how do you, how do we recognize our own toxicity? Like, how do we recognize that within ourselves? Honestly, I think that you have to surround yourself with people that keep you accountable. Like we are so unaware of ourselves sometimes. And I do think that you can be mindful of your actions and your words, but policing yourself and restraining yourself from being who you truly are could you know, yeah. also not be a good thing. I, you know, you really got to surround yourself with people that will keep you accountable and still love you, Yeah, you know, and that's how you grow. Like I would say now, I mean, I used to have toxic traits back when I was younger because you're just mirroring what you thought was powerful and working for other people. Totally. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I think. What about you? I think like, yeah, like you said, mirroring, I think it's very easy to accidentally like whatever toxicity is being thrown at you for that to be the way that you're toxic to people. So however, like people were guilty of hurting you, like you could very easily be guilty of doing that to somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. And so for me, like I was bullied for a really long time and like the dark side of that story for me and the thing that I continue to regret is that I came home and I bullied my baby sister, Vicky. And it, it, I can't, ever fully know like how much of an impact that had on her life you know yeah well we tend to just repeat patterns that were done onto us and we just have to yeah unlearn them yeah and so like I'm still trying to rebuild my relationship with Vicky and it's an ongoing process um but I think that I'm ashamed of it like genuinely I'm ashamed of how much I hurt her whether it was verbally or emotionally or whatever and it was like I don't think I had that in me until I I was hurt you know and so yeah I think at the end of all this it's like we really have to be good to each other because you never know how your actions can adversely affect someone and then that chain of events um, can continue to hurt people like down the line so just be mindful, you guys, and like keep each other, keep yourself accountable and like um, 
open your heart. You know what I mean? And get rid of those toxic people or toxic behaviors that you don't want around you. It's hard, but it's a part of our journey. Mm -hmm. And on that note, it's time for... Um, so my unsolicited picks for this week uh, are I went to um, I went up to the Central Coast to celebrate my husband's 40th birthday. And, you know, it felt really weird. Uh, we ate out for the very first time, but it was like, you know, it was sanitized. It was outdoors and all those things. Um, but one of the things we did do was we went to Avila Beach. If you've never been to Avila Beach, it's in the San Luis Obispo Bay, um, but it's kind of like just south of Morro Bay. So it's kind of this little like cove almost um and so you can like paddleboard in the ocean it's like so calm like you can kayak and whatnot right um and so on a, a at a villa beach there's this pier and at the end of it there's a restaurant called mercy's um i thought it was like m-e-r-c-y but it's actually m-e-r-s-e-a um mercy's restaurant and we just sat out on the pier outside um sipping on some whiskey drinking a nice cold beer popping oysters like there was no tomorrow um downing some clam chowder and rocks it was like the most normal that i felt this entire pandemic Oh my um, God, that must have been amazing. Yeah, it was so great. And like, you know, like we had all sorts of guilt associated with going out, um, but we got home, we got tested, we're, we're negative. So I think we're okay. Um, but it, it was so worth it. It was a calculated risk, but it was so worth it to, to you know, really celebrate my husband. Uh, and then when we got back into town, it was freaking hot. Uh, hopefully the heat wave has broken by now, but I think we're kind of still in the midst of it here. Um, but we got back and we immediately went to Corner Place, which is a it's a Korean restaurant in K-Town. And if you've never been there, they do Korean barbecue, but they also serve like a tongchimikuksu, which is like a cold noodle made with like pickled radishes and whatnot. And it for the longest time, they never allowed the tongchimikuksu to like be take, taken out because like they have like a heavily guarded secret recipe right and apparently it has like either seven up or sprite in it like it's got like all like a million ingredients i'm sure but for the first time in the history of the restaurant they're allowing people to take out and so they do cook the meats for you which kind of takes away from some of the you know the k barbecue experience but their panchan is great their tongshimikuksu is to go now so we got two ice cold ice noodles like ice cold cold noodles and then like hot korean barbecued meats and like an array of panchan and we just brought it home and had a fucking feast it was amazing damn i know what i'm getting for lunch (laughs) that's right every time unsolicited picks i'm just like i know what i'm going afterwards we're so influential we We influence ourselves (laughs) (laughs) nobody else just you and i (laughs) Um, okay, how about you, Rox? Okay, so uh, obviously, uh, Priscilla, you know about this series that I was obsessed with oh, during the pandemic. Yes. Um, and I want everybody to watch this if you haven't already. It is probably one of the most well-written shows I've ever watched. And also for them to tackle such a vulnerable topic oh my God. in such a way. Um, normal people on Hulu. It's so sexy. It's so sexy. And I'm just like, God, will I ever find a romance? Oh, oh my God. Um, but it just shows you that... Uh, and a lot with what we're talking about that love is not so direct and like it's not it's a very complex journey yeah. you know what I mean to get to A to B there's a lot of squiggles in between oh so many squiggles yeah. and there's A B C D E just yeah. all the way to Z fucking Z like that's the journey yeah. with love and um, also it was originally a book by Sally Rooney so um, it's actually an adaptation 
a series adaptation that I felt was very, very close to its literature. Totally. So um, I would recommend this series for everyone to watch. Uh, just make sure that uh, there's no kids around. <laughs> yeah, no kids around when you watch this. Uh, oh, oh this I see show. where you were going with your vibrator. Yeah, yeah. Well, either you're alone or you're with a partner and you could be like, oh, God, OK, let's just recreate this. Um, um, also, follow Connell's chain on Instagram. Have you seen the chain Instagram? Oh, yeah. It is so hot. It's just like it's a chain he wears, the character wears, and it's just like hanging low across his neck when they're doing stuff. <laughs> and it's always like sweat dripped and like, oh, it's so hot. It's delicious. Like, How do these two actors not fall in love after making that show? Totally. Like, totally. It, it just is so impossible to me. <laughs> um, and then the book I want to uh, recommend is a book called Big Friendship, which has to do a lot with our topic today. Mm-hmm. And it's by uh, these two authors, Amina Toso and Anne. Friedman and they also have a podcast and um, you should and basically it just sort of talks about their friendship their lifelong friendship and also you know the importance of adult friendships and why it's worth investing in and going through things together and it just really resonates with a lot of what we're talking about today so definitely recommend this book I think it's pretty life-changing so this is a this is call your girlfriend or yeah, Call Your call Girlfriend your is the podcast. And, yes, 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 yes. And I know they talk about um, having an interracial friendship and how that's Oh, yeah, kind those of, challenges of that, too. Yeah, that's, that's really big. And they also went through um, kind of a semi-breakup and then went to therapy, right? I don't know if they write about that in the book. No, they do. They talk about their challenges and, like, what they had to... Like, it's not easy to have a big friendship. You know what right. I mean? Like, it just has the same amount of commitment and investment as you would yeah. for any long-term partnership. Totally. Well, thank you guys for joining us. So Roxy's going to pull a card for the collective. Send in your vibes. Send your vibes. Send your your vibes. vibes. Let's see what they have for us. (gasps) Oh, wow. Queen of Pentacles is the card that came out for us this week. So Queen of Pentacles is a shows a woman like in her domain, like in her garden, like just really sitting in her home. So it talks about like really taking care of the space around you. Mm. So I know that some of us are in an ongoing quarantine. We're still not back to a regular life yet. So this is just a suggestion to just be mindful of the space that you're in. Take care of it. Maybe do a Marie Kondo sort of situation. Do some summer cleaning before mm-hmm. the fall because fall is just around the corner. Anything to shift that space to give you that queen energy, you know, to feel that you are the queen of your own empire so i would say that uh the recommendation this week is just be mindful of the space that you're in and maybe pay some attention to the um your home so feng shui anything like that um would be good to just sort of re-examine if you're feeling pulled to do that this week wow i like that it comes back to gardening too it's like oh yes do a little pruning you you guys can't see this but like (laughs) in this particular deck that i have the queen is sitting in a garden so make sure to nurture nurture the garden around you oh my gosh wow nurture 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 what's around you guys the, the universe always tells us what's up for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> all right as always have a horny week our lovely goatees and remember stay, stay horny, horny. This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Priska. Music by Abraham Kim. Artwork by Connie Yen. Please visit us at twohornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? Email us at hello at twohornygoats.com.
Podcast. Today's outro music features our friend Jennifer Chung's song, IFYIS. Jennifer says, IFYIS stands for I forgive you, I'm sorry. It's a bit complex because I don't want to encourage staying in a toxic relationship, but especially relationships like we have with our parents. It's complicated. I've got to forgive them because they're the first relationships I've had as a human. My prayer for this song was that it would encourage others to forgive as well so that we could all live our best lives with a weight off of our shoulders. Enjoy the song by Jen Chung. I forgive the way you always seem to ask for more. For more, for more, for more. I forgive the days you walked away and left me cold. I forgive you, forgive you. I'm sorry it took this long. Sometimes. I wish you were there to show me you cared So many things I wanted to share All of those times it didn't feel fair But pressure it makes a diamond so rare So rare, so rare I'll never ever get a chance to go back in time 